0: The Jewish Hour is now on Stitcher. Listen to us on your iPhone, Android, BlackBerry, or Palm. Find it in your app store or at Stitcher.com. Stitcher, smart radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Welcome to the Jewish hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finman. We've got a great show for you today. It's a beautiful Sunday morning. This half hour we'll be featuring an interview with uh, Ben Falick who has organized a conference of sorts and written about it up at the Jewish News of Detroit and Judaism going to do that here, right here on the Jewish Hour for you. we got wonderful and eclectic variety of a cappella music because we are in the weeks between Passover and Shavuos when we don't listen to instrumental music, but we'll be listening to a cappella stuff, really good stuff i got for you. The portion of the week is a double portion of Achrimos Kedoshim. It can be found in the book of Leviticus, chapter 16 and following. We have a wonderful Hasidic story, but before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. (laughs) Aaron Hujayev, a cab driver who was stabbed by a terrorist, regained consciousness in a hospital in Saba. Hujayev's condition is still defined as serious. He remembers the actual stabbing vaguely. The attacker escaped, but was later arrested in Saba. The U.S. House of Representatives Armed Services Subcommittee authorized $680 million for Israel's Iron Dome missile system. The Obama administration gave Israel $205 million in 2009 to help launch the system in addition to the $3 billion annual defense assistance. The Iron Dome system has proven quite effective in intercepting incoming missiles. Israeli independence celebrations for residents of Ashkelon in southern Israel were cut short when a rocket fired from Gaza exploded in the area. No injuries were reported. The memorial to Israel's fallen soldiers at Ammunition Hill was vandalized days before the National Memorial Day Observance. Vandals spray-painted anti-Semitic and anti-Israel slogans on the memorial at the site of a major battle for Jerusalem during the 67 Six-Day War. The West Bank settlements of Rechelim, Sasana, and Brukhlin, that's not Brooklyn, it's Brukhlin, which have existed without government authorization on the West Bank since the 1990s were all given official approval by Israel's interior ministry. Education minister Gideon Sa'ar from the prime minister's Likud party said Netanyahu gave 1,200 people and the people of Israel a holiday gift, a reference to Israel's independence celebrations this week. The special branch of the Delhi Police Hamid Police Force arrested and deported Hamid Kashkuli from India to his native Iran for spying on Jews in India. Kashkuli was pursuing his PhD from the University of Pune in India. Kashkuli was found spying on the Chabad House in Pune, the Rashti Peth synagogue, and other Jewish and Israeli targets. The head of Mashav, Israel's official international development cooperation program and the United States Agency for International Development, known as USAID, have signed a memorandum of understanding to increase cooperation on food security to Uganda, Ethiopia, Tanzania, and Rwanda. Israel and the U.S. will be sending greater amounts of food to those countries as well as strengthening those countries' agriculture. A New Jersey appeals court ruled that a man can sue for enduring anti-Semitic slurs from former employers even though he is not Jewish. Myron Coher, a former truck driver for Carson and Roberts Site Constructions and Engineering Company, sued the company and a former supervisor for enduring anti-Semitic comments for more than a year. His suit alleges, alleges discrimination that resulted in a hostile work environment. Rabbi Benjamin Jacobs, chief rabbi of Holland, was made an officer of the Order of Orange Nassau, one of the highest civilian awards given by the Queen of Holland. The honor is usually given to princes of other royal families in Europe, diplomats, artists, and social activists. It is the first time in the history of the Dutch Jewish community, that goes back many centuries, that a rabbi has received this honor. We will now hear Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Yatanyahu's Independence Day address.
1: Israel's Independence Day is a time for us to consider what makes Israel truly unique. Israel is unique in restoring sovereignty and the capacity for self-defense to a people who had been stateless and powerless for 2,000 years. Israel is unique in, in gathering to an ancestral homeland and exiled people who had been scattered around the globe. Israel is unique in having become a global technological power despite the fact that we face threats faced by no other nation on earth. Israel is unique in the Middle East for having a vibrant liberal democracy where women are equal, minorities are free, and where all are subjects to the rule of law. But Israel is unique in one other important way. We are unique in having such passionate friends, Jews and non-Jews alike, for whom the well-being, security, and future of our country is so important. This passionate support, along with Israel's strong army, free economy, and dynamic society, is the pillar of our national strength. And this Independence Day, I want to thank the tens of millions of friends of Israel throughout the world for their unwavering support for the one and only Jewish state. Do you know the best
0: place to buy fruit and vegetables? Why, it's at Frutasia. Located on Southfield Road, just south of the 13 mile. Frutasia provides quality, value, and the most wonderful environment to shop. You'll enjoy the spacious aisles, excellent selection, great prices, and friendly staff at Fritasia on Southfield Road and 13 Mile. Herschel Fittman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have on the line Ben Falick, who is, as I said in the introduction, organized a symposium on Detroit and Jews. We're punching him up right now. We got him up. Yes. How are you today, Ben? How you doing, Ben?
2: Uh, very well. How Good. are you?
0: Good, thank God. Good to hear. You had a, uh, a, a symposium, a, a conference, I don't know exactly what you would call it, a meeting in Ann Arbor a couple weeks ago. I was actually planning on attending, but uh, came down with the flu and didn't get there. What's the impetus, the growing interest of Jews and Detroit at this time, Ben?
2: Well, I think we're definitely experiencing a moment of sorts, and... Uh, I think it's a lot of different, you know, we think about community, you know, on a kind of a macro level, but I think that what's exciting about what's going on now is kind of the next big thing is a million little things and lots of different conversations and, and points of entry, and, and at times, I think, competing philosophies and, and interests, but uh, just a lot, of, uh, a lot of interest and a lot of momentum.
0: Okay. Listening to the world news about Detroit, what do we hear? We hear all kinds of horrible things, receivership and school board problems and bus problems. How is it that people are really tr- trying to do whatever they can to find an apt- optimistic look about Detroit proper?
2: Well, I'm in Detroit as we speak, and uh, I don't think you need to spend much time here to realize how incomplete the national news even the mainstream local news coverage is, there's undoubtedly very real problems, and it doesn't do us any good to kind of paper over them. But when you really are on the ground in Detroit, downtown and in the neighborhoods, I think you feel a, a real, you know, the, the, the humanity and, the, and the, the sense of spirit and self-determination in the city. And uh, it does give you a, um, a very, in my case at least, I can say uh, palpable sense of, of optimism for what we can do here. Mm-hmm.
0: What are people doing you're like the man on the street, what are people doing to overcome Detroit's image and reputation going back to 67 and Devil's Nights and etc, uh, etc cetera, et cetera?
2: Well I think, I mean, for Devil's Night in particular the you I almost never hear that anymore I think that, under going back to Dennis Archer I think there was actually a, a pretty clever rebranding here that we now have Angel's Night and it's a huge um, uh, night for community groups and uh, volunteers, and so not only is it something that has combated the negative, but has shown you know people just come out in droves, and really the the rate of arson is is you know historically low, especially over the past few years. In terms of, I think you know I think we need to tell our own story, and there's never been a better time to do that in terms of of social media and lots of of just. Grassroots narrative um, opportunities. So, uh, what I really try and do when I'm talking to people is get past what we're limited to saying about Detroit as this, you know, huge 140 square mile city, and really try to understand it on the on the ground, on a on a neighborhood and a community, if not a block by block kind of a level. Because so I think that that's the Detroit that's really compelling.
0: Okay. Are people, though, um, in visiting Detroit, saying, well, you got you have downtown, and there's Comerica Park and Ford Field and the, the couple of bars that are around there, and then there's Wayne State and Midtown and the Center of Creative Studies, and after that, it, it falls off the table drastically. How would you uh, answer such a thing, Ben Fahelick?
2: Well, I think one of the questions we should be asking ourselves as we put forward is, is kind of Detroit for whom, and how can it be... You know, an inclusive Detroit, but one, I think, where we are as interested in the needs of and services for Detroiters and Metro Detroiters as we are for people who are coming from out of town. You know, I think, I've said before, Detroit, I think, is is kind of a dismal place to be a tourist, but maybe the world's most fascinating place to be a visitor and to be a student of cities and a someone, you know, who who comes and really looks around and doesn't just take pictures of, of buildings that are collapsing on themselves but gets out into the community and, and talks to folks and uh... when you experience that at Detroit it's um, it's pretty irresistible
0: mm-hmm. That sounds like a, a, little, a little bit of a twist on an old expression, it's a great place to live but I wouldn't want to visit there
2: Hey, I think that's, uh, that's not bad actually
0: <laughs> Okay, you, you, had a, you had a conference a couple of weeks ago. What was your impetus in making this conference in, in Arbor, of all places also, by the way?
2: Sure, well, the first thing I should say is I just was, had the small part and was one of a, a really um, motivated group of, of people. Really, the, the main convener was, and I should say, happy graduation for uh, just a few hours from now, the Jewish Communal Leadership Program, which is based at the University of Michigan School of Social Work. Uh, put together, yeah, I think a, a conference or at least a, a convening of 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 sorts um, called "What Is Jewish Detroit?" and it was in Ann Arbor, which, of course, is not Detroit or where most Metro Detroit Jews live, but it served us perfectly fine. I think everyone, you know, we there's there's enough irony to go around in this uh... in this area that we don't want to get stuck on it for too long. So I think the the impetus for it was just that there's all these conversations taking place, and that would be really valuable and cathartic in some ways and, and edifying and I think productive to bring together people who had lots of different experiences, lots of different perspectives and, um, and ask, you know, hard, some hard questions about, you know, what is and where is and who is Jewish Detroit. Not that we expected to come up with the answers for them, but, you know, questions lead to more questions and further conversations. And I think on the whole, it was a very, uh, dynamic environment.
0: Mm-hmm. You're fighting really an uphill battle, I think, maybe from, from on both fronts. The um, general picture that I get, I mean, I've lived in Detroit for 25 years. We moved here in 1988, which was the end of the Coleman-Young era, was right. that we don't need, we in Detroit don't need outside participation. This is our turf, and you can stop at eight Mile. What are we doing to overcome that, Ben Felick?
2: Sure. Uh, well I mean it's it's there's no doubt that it's you know, we've got a we've gotta fight on our hands, but I think more and more people both locally and regionally and statewide and nationally for that matter will agree that it's a fight worth fighting and that we have spent a lot of time historically fighting amongst ourselves and now we need to find ways to work together and to be a Regionally sustainable and globally competitive uh, community. So, th- my experience in Detroit has been a one of of real dynamism and uh, kind of I would I describe as a porousness or fluidity. That I think if you come to Detroit like, physically and kind of spiritually with um, wholeheartedly and with with good both good intentions and kind of the wherewithal to follow through on them. I have found this city to be incredibly uh, inviting and inclusive. And, again, that's experienced a lot of things in city neighborhoods, you know, east side, southwest, midtown, north, you name it. Um, and people are, um, again, I think there's a long history of people in Detroit with, you know, broken promises and a lot of, a lot of hostility. And, again, we can get stuck on who's to blame for that, but I think if we can have get over it, Uh, and get on to, you know, talking about the we and the us and the how, then um, it's really remarkable what we can accomplish together.
0: What would you like to see Detroit be in, say, 20 years?
2: Well, um, I'm a big fan of a book called Reimagining Detroit by John Gallagher, and and I think he makes some really good points in there that, you know, we keep um, kind of framing Detroit as the city that used to have two million or upwards of two million people, you know, we're kind of setting ourselves up for failure and that we can reframe our expectations for Detroit that this can be a viable, sustainable, um, harmonious place, even if it isn't the, um, the population and industry center that it historically was. And I think, I mean, I would say that the, the best investment maybe anywhere right now is in Detroit kids. You know, I spend a lot of time working with city kids, and one of the things I talk about in my article is I think even framing that as the difference between calling them city kids and urban youth is really, makes you think a lot differently, and that if we uh, invest wisely, and in not it's not always going to be monetary resources, but through human and, and social capital in kids in Detroit, then that um, investment will pay dividends, and that the city is filled with future professionals and entrepreneurs and people who, again, not that it's it's city kids and not suburban kids. I think if there are ways, like I've experienced through a lot of, of volunteerism and civic engagement to bring people, young people from all different backgrounds together and get past those kind of, you know, 1967 hang-ups, then, um, then there's just really no limit to what we can do together.
0: Okay. I've um, begun working just sort of like on my own with the Jews on campus at Wayne and the uh, and Jews in, in Midtown. And it seems that when I tell this to people, the one response that I get is, well, if you're dealing with people who are in, in living in Midtown Detroit, you're dealing with the 22 to 30 year olds because once when they wanna settle down and actually have families, then Detroit is not going to be able to provide the resources for them because they're going to, have to want to have to ship their kids off to public schools. So the uh, and and getting told as long as Detroit's school system is the way that it is, Detroit's never going to come back. What would you answer to such a skeptic, Ben? Think?
2: Well, there's first. I think it's fair to grapple with this this kind of developing or risk of a tale of two cities, right? That we have an increasingly um, robust downtown and midtown core and it's something we can all be excited about but that is a very small percentage of both the landmass of the city and the population of the city. So we don't want that to come, you know, at the cost of or in a way that lets us overlook uh the neighborhood citywide that I like I said I think are um a good investment. So I mean this is again, you know, I'll, I'll borrow from some, you know, something we we've heard and said and believed not too long ago, and I think we still do very much, that in Detroit, as anywhere, if you will, it it is no dream, right? I think this idea that, right, this is not a place for, you know, for families or for people who have great expectations for what, um, how they can raise their kids and, and educate them. I mean, that's, we're kind of putting those limitations on ourselves. And, sure, this you know, cities, is not unique to Detroit, that cities are more commonly destinations for... Uh, dinks, right? Dual income, no kid couples and empty nesters. And that's great. And we want to embrace that. And that population will replace itself. And hopefully, you know, people who do move out to the suburbs will continue to, uh, to work and, and invest and play in the city. But I absolutely think that this is a place that we can make, um, a wonderful, wonderful community to raise a family.
0: You may just made me feel very old because I'm one of those Auntie Nesters who's looking into maybe moving to Detroit. <laughs> hey, Come on down. <laughs> We've been handling with somebody for a building now since February. They don't know if they want to sell it to us or not. You know, but anyway, we'll keep you posted on that on here on the Jewish Hour. Anyway, so you've listed in uh, a whole list of do, do says and don't says. Um, why is jargon important? Ben Oh well, My first.
2: My caveat is that this is my list and that I was it's not uh, prescriptive or dogmatic, but I have experienced a lot just firsthand that, you know, how we phrase and frame things really can affect the conversation, particularly when we are talking to people who have different backgrounds and different experiences than we do. And, yeah, I mean, just by way of example, I mentioned earlier, right, the difference between city kids and urban youth, I think, really does have a very different connotation. And when we are talking to people who are, you know, long-term Detroiters who have seen it through, you know, through um, the toughest of times. You are talking about, I think we move the ball forward better when we talk about investing in the city rather than uh, revitalizing it or uh, saving Detroit is something that, again, that may be how we understand and experience it, but I think that's going to butt up against a lot of the people who we really want to be sitting at the table with and, and having this conversation with.
0: Okay. You have to explain something to me. I'm not a native Detroiter. I've been here only for twenty five years. I got the liver noise and I got Lasher. Those ones I got like almost immediately. Sure. <laughs> but I always thought McNichols was McNichols and never even thought about calling it six mile. What's up with that?
2: I you know, that one I got from my from my dad who grew up uh in the in the in the old neighborhood there and he said I had growing up never heard anyone call it McNichols. So it was always six mile, even though the signs of course say McNichols. So that one I uh that's a generational one like a lot of them that I kind of inherited but can't uh, necessarily trace to its roots.
0: huh And it stops, I suppose, it there because Fenkel is Fenkel not five mile and Joy Road is not four mile?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I know Finkel and Joy, but McNichols and six mile. It's always kind of uh how I how I grew up here in it.
0: Okay. Let I wanted to um to to look at some of these do's and don'ts sure. say's that you have over here, emphasizing, for example, the graduation rate versus a dropout rate,
2: sure again, I think that the, that it's not like we are pretending that Detroit doesn't have a huge crisis in public education, and the you know that the the pipeline from bad schools into the criminal justice system is is very real, but again, I think that if we um, if the what we what we say and what we kind of rhetorically emphasize is the rate at which students are dropping out, rather than the rate at which they're graduating, it does kind of change the shape of the conversation.
0: Okay, and then the um, this one, riots or civil unrest or rebellion or revolution or whatever you think characterizes Detroit in the summer of 1967, that you can say. But if someone has a different name to, different name or take, don't call them out, buy them a beer. Could you explain that one to me as being a, uh, I don't understand the idiom.
2: Sure, so we, you know, so, We know that something happened in Detroit in the summer of 1967, right? But people do have different names for it and different understandings of it and for what caused it and what preceded it to very, you know, not just two, multiple different perspectives. So some people call it the riots, some people call it civil unrest or rebellion, or I've heard revolution. And I think what I'm trying to say there is not that one is accurate. I mean, it's all a matter of, of perspective, but that. You know, if you do encounter someone who has a different understanding of it, that that shouldn't be the end of the conversation. It should be the start of one. And I do think that, uh, you know, for an age-appropriate audience, that's a good conversation to have over a beer because it's something where we got a lot of, you know, a lot of baggage that we want to uh, that we don't want to hold us back or weigh us down as we go forward.
0: Mm-hmm. For somebody like you, nineteen sixty-seven was history, though.
2: Yeah, it's um, it is, you know. Substantially before I was born, but it's a very, you know, it does cast a long shadow over Detroit ever since. And, uh, it's kind of up to us how we, you know, let that, uh, or whether we let that constrain us or kind of, um, you know, um, just help us to understand the landscape in which we're operating
0: okay i understand that's great our guest has been ben Felick who has been involved with jewish and detroit i'm trying to do judaism in detroit know that's what's sort of like my angle being that i'm a theologian and hopefully we might get something something up in, and going something more uh umbrella type organization together I want to thank you for coming on and keep us apprised of your goings on
2: I absolutely will, and yeah, I'm in Detroit, and through Jewish auspices as well. I'm the manager of Detroit Service Initiatives for a national Jewish service platform organization called Repair the World, which is you can visit at weRepair.org, and uh, it's a very I hope strategic investment uh, here that uh, I'm really eager to work with anybody who wants to uh, wants to help do great things here in Detroit.
0: So okay. I look forward
2: to continuing the conversation.
0: Terrific. Okay, that's going to do it. I want to thank you so much, and take care. My pleasure. Okay, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. The Art Studio of Oak Park is now accepting students. Whether you're a real beginner or have been at it for a lifetime, the Art Studio of Oak Park is something for you. All levels welcome, all ages welcome. Private tutoring or small, friendly classes. Flexible hours available. The Art Studio of Oak Park is very affordable. Make your life better. Put art into your life. The Art Studio of Oak Park offers lessons in a strictly kosher environment. Call today, 248-542-5087. That's 248-542-5087. It's great having an art room right in the neighborhood. Uh, Shilfinman here, you're listening to The Jewish Hour. It's time for a little a cappella interlude. This is the Maccabees. D is the name of the song. It is a liturgical piece which is sung on Friday night. And as I've played various renditions, this is another a long list that proves that you could sing the words to this song, which were composed by Rabbi Shlomo Alkabetz in the 1500s in Safat, to anything. You could even send it, sing it to a tune written by Leonard Cohen, and this one's just for you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm
4: healthcare offers patients the advantage of a safe and natural method of healing without the use of drugs or surgery. People of all ages, including children, benefit from chiropractic's unique approach to health. Call area code 248-557-1818 today to find out how chiropractic can benefit your family. At the Solomon Chiropractic Center, we especially love children. All kids should have their spines checked periodically throughout their crucial growing years. Growth on a crooked foundation will create a crooked spine and become harder to correct later in life. Kids love to get adjusted at the Solomon Chiropractic Center. And hey moms, did you know that chiropractic offers a safe, drug-free approach to helping with the many pains women often get during and after pregnancy? We even have special tables which open up so pregnant women can lay on their stomachs. We treat moms, dads, children, and grandparents with arthritic pains, neck pains, back pain, and headaches. People of all ages, including kids, benefit from chiropractic. Come experience the natural method of healing without the use of drugs or surgery. Stop living in pain. Call area code 248-557-1818 today for a free consultation at the Solomon Chiropractic Center to discuss you and your family's health needs. Remember, 557-1818. That's 557
0: Hi hi. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's a symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for Kosher, and S-U-P for Supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale gentlemen, well, here, you're listening to the Jewish Hour. It's been a while since we played some young voices. This is Avi Rosen. The song is called Malachi, which means the, the, my angels. It's a piece all in Hebrew, and I think you're going to like it. Listen in.
5: מלחים הקדושים העומדים במרומים אחות חידה ואין פותר השם ברחם אב נתן לי <מח> במרומים אך הוא נחידה בלב כואב השם ברחמה בעיר לשמש שזוחקת אך מדוע בצער הוא יושב
3: מלאכים הקדושים, Suba, bye.
5: חלום אחד לא אהב אתר השם מבטיח עוד ירקום שלום בחוץ של תחלת
4: Lavasco with Lavasco Concrete Services. We specialize in driveways and patios. You can call me at 586 822 9985.
0: Hey, Finman here. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Notice that your driveway didn't make it through the winter, starting to like crumble. You want to call Lavasco. Larry Lavasco knows concrete. Um, he did the Finman driveway, did a wonderful job. And uh, as is the case with all sponsors on The Jewish Hour, we have the Jewish Hour Seal of Approval. We have used every single one of them. Unfortunately, I've even had the services of Encompass Healthcare, and uh, that's why I'm here. Baruch Hashem. They uh, they were there when I needed them. So, like I told my doctor friends, you should go out of business because no one needs you. But we're glad you're there when you are there. we got time for one more. This is brand new, cutting-edge, hot Ellie Goldschlag, this is one of my mottos actually. Hashem loves you is the name of this song. I tell this to people all the time. People say, I do, I can only do this, Rabbi. And I tell them, don't worry, Hashem loves you. Let's listen in.
3: Sometimes I'm feeling down, things haven't gone your way So you're looking all around, to find someone who'll save the days so one place you can't turn, who'll never turn you back When you look too harsh, you're always back on track Cause shame loves you, you're
5: You no strings are attached to the love of shadow Show to so you Just got to hold on tight. Put your trust in Him. Keep you your head you held you tight, Let your soul just start let to your sing. The shadow loves, loves you. He's always green, his pride. It's the it so Sham
3: loves you. He's so always by your side. You can see it too. You'll you you walk a different walk With confidence in your stride when you think of Hashem's love, and you know you're always on his mind, there's a light you've got to shine. No, got to a job shine. no one else can do. No else Hashem's giving you, you the tools, now the rest comes down to you. Because Hashem loves you, yes, you're his greatest prize. Oh, Hashem loves you, he's always by your side, you can see. It's all that good you got inside. It's up to you. All you need is to decide.
0: Some of the best jobs in the world are in the radio and television industry, and you too can join the workforce in as little as eight months when you complete your hands-on training at the Spex Howard School of Broadcast Arts located in Southfield, Michigan. At Spex Howard School, students get to play and learn at the same time. Imagine spending your class time behind the microphone, spinning music, and hosting your own radio show, or designing and lighting a set for your own TV program, running a camera, learning to edit, directing a program. When you go to Specs, your day will be anything but dull. And if school is this fun, imagine how exciting it is to work in the growing industry. In addition, the credits you earn while attending Spex Howard School are currently accepted at 14 area colleges and universities. If you've always wanted the best job in the world, call for a tour of Spex Howard School at 248-358-9000. That's 248-358-9000, and visit them on the web at spexhoward.edu. Spex Howard School of Broadcast Arts, this is where you start. You know the best place to buy fruit and vegetables? Why, it's at Frutasia. Located on Southfield Road just south of 13 Mile, Frutasia provides quality, value, and the most wonderful environment to shop. You'll enjoy the spacious aisles, excellent selection, great prices, and friendly staff at Frutasia on Southfield Road and 13 Mile. Hi, Rachel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Shower. This week's portion is the double portion of Ahremos Kedoshim. You might want to ask, why are we reading two portions? We read two portions last week. Tazria Mitzorah. And this week we're reading two portions on one Shabbos. Ahremos Kedoshim. And the week after it asks, it's 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 Behar Um Why are we doing this? And I'll talk about this when we get closer. Is Ezra... The scribe, back in uh, the beginning of the Second Temple time, about 2,500 years ago, ordained a certain setup for the reading of the Torah portions and mandated that certain Torah portions should come out specifically at certain points of the year. The first such mandate was a portion of Bamidbar, which is the beginning of the book of Numbers, must be read before... The holiday of Shavuos, which is Memorial Day weekend this uh, year. So we've got a, f- a bunch of portions that we haven't read yet and uh, more portions than weeks. So we combined it. And that's why we have Ahri Moshe, Moshe and Kadoshi. Next week, it's only Ammar. So for those people who are like, get, get tired out by so much, so much to learn. Oh, my goodness. But that's why we do it now at the end of the portion. So I can't talk about the whole thing. I could spend, uh, I'd need two Jewish hours just to talk about the portion of the week. Let's examine one verse. It's at the end of chapter, or towards the end of chapter 20, in verse 22, if you want to look it up, 2022 in the book of Leviticus, it says, and I quote, and you shall guard my ordinances, my statutes, and my judgments, and you shall do them so that the land doesn't spit you out that I've brought you to there to inherit it. And there is this discussion of keeping the commandments as a precursor for living in Israel. Israel's called one of the names that Israel's called is the Holy Land. And it's also called like a princess. A princess is treated in a very delicate manner. Princesses eat very delicate food, for example. And would it be, this is what I'm told. I not that I know any princesses, that if you were to give some coarse grub food to a princess, she would throw it up, because she's so coarse, she's so delicate and refined. She needs to have refined food. Now I'm not sure exactly what you would call coarse grub food. My kids are pretty much I consider all my kids princesses, and my son the prince, yes, and uh, they can knock back as steak good as anybody. So, but maybe that's not coarse and grub. But we get the analogy Israel needs to have inhabitants that are refined. And we're told, if not, then the land says, I can't live with you here. And all those people who have left Israel thought they left Israel because they thought there was someplace better. But I got news for you. I'm sorry to tell you, all those Israelis that are listening to the program, that are in outside in the diaspora you think you may have gone to a better place but you left the better place quite honestly and i have every intention of one day moving to israel yes when everything that i need to do here in america is done you're not going to be able to hold me back I'm right there. This is one of the things my wife said when we were first going out. She said, "Would you ever live in Israel?" I said, "You betcha!" As soon as I need to get, as soon as everything I need to get done is done, I'm there. And I wasn't born in Israel. The different types of commandments are mentioned in this portion, in this in this verse. It doesn't say testimonies because people like to do the testimonies. Those are the ones like, for example, eating matzah. Having a mezuzah on the door for those people who don't know what it is. That's like if you ever go to a Jew's house, you see that like good luck charm on the side of the door, which is not a good luck charm, but you get the idea. I'm not going to go into the laws of mezuzah right now. Rosh Hashanah with, you know, getting written into the good book and Yom Kippur with the uh, idea of being forgiven. People, people like those. They like the the kiddish on Friday night. These are things that that, uh, we associate with like participatory Judaism. People love those things. That's not what the verse has to tell us. What does the verse have to tell us? The verse has to tell us things about, say example, chukos, which are statutes, things that we weren't told the meaning behind. Not that they don't make sense, they make perfect sense. We weren't told what they mean. Like for example, why keep kosher? I talked about that last week. Wool and linen is so strange that Jews aren't supposed to wear a garment comprised of wool and linen in any shape or form. That's why I have all my clothes that I that I buy my suits. I take them to a man in Oak Park and he looks under the collar at the underfacing and checks the thread and the buttons and makes sure that there's no linen in my wool suit. It's, it's beyond my reasoning, but I do it because it's a finer, more genteel way of doing it. I have a certain pride in knowing that my, my woolen suit doesn't have any linen, and it's got a little tag sewn on the inside of in the pocket that says, this suit is shotness-free. I'm very happy about that. Likewise, also, when it comes to doing what we call the judgment commandments, those are the ones that we would do because they make sense. But Jews don't do those because they make sense. Jews do them because the Almighty said so. You could come up with all reasons and rationale behind not committing theft, adultery, and murder. But the bottom line is we're not doing them because the Almighty has said not to do them, because we are a finer, more gentle, gentler people, you might say. The Torah here talks about The Holy Land, and I've often mentioned a common theme in my things that I talk about over here. That countries mentioned in the Bible refer to something about our persona, and that's for sure true of the land of Israel. Our bodies are called the land of Israel. That's our Holy Land, and we have to treat our bodies like they were princesses, and not be engaged in coarse grub activities, because that's detrimental to even the physical health and well-being of our body of our bodies. Are religious people the healthiest people that you're ever gonna meet? No, I can't make that promise or guarantee. But I can guarantee that a person who does adhere to the commandments, will have a much easier life. That one I would put in writing, and I have many times. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we're going to be right back. Don't go away. we got the Hasidic story coming up. You really want to
2: hear it? This is Jim Hiller. At Hiller's, we support all things Michigan, which is why we support the Jewish Hour.
1: Hi, this is Spex Howard from the Spex Howard School of Broadcast Arts. We're happy to sponsor The Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding for The
0: Jewish Hour comes from its sponsors, it's listeners like you that help keep The Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to The Jewish Hour, 14,000 West Nine Mile Road, Oak Park, Michigan, 48237. That's 14,000 West Nine Mile Road, Oak Park, Michigan, 48237. Your help is greatly appreciated. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Want to get in touch with me? The best way to do it? www.rabbifinman.com There's the contact page. You contact me. I contact you. We have a wonderful relationship. We live happily ever after. It's that easy, folks. What else is on rabbifinman.com? Well, you'll find archive editions of the show. Want to hear a little bit more of what Ben Falick had to say? Some of the things you missed in the last month? Go to rabbifinman.com, click on the radio page, and voila! Archive editions of the Jewish Hour. You also have archived editions of the EParsha, the U Parsha, and the Hasidic Yu's story, which are insights into the portion of the week which up here, the E-Parsha is written, the U-Parsha and the Hasidic story are video, and whatever media you choose, I'm there to please. That's what I'm there for. Go to RabbiFinman.com. You'll enjoy it. Tell your friends. And, of course, the very important donation page. In analyzing March is our, uh, our fiscal year here at the Jewish Hour and analyzing our finances, we have come to the realization that this is not commercial broad- broadcasting. We have commercials, but the Jewish Hour has been sponsored for the last two years that we've been on WLVK here, 1500, by listener support, like yourself. The the uh, commercials help. I can't do too many commercials because then it becomes the Commercial Hour. Who wants to hear the Jewish Commercial Hour? I do say my commercials are very good, yes. I am very proud of my commercials. But... We need your help. You've helped in the past. If you haven't helped in the past, go to www.rabbifinman.com. Click on the donations page. It's all very secure. It's all through PayPal. No one's ever had any problems with PayPal. never system's never been compromised. Do it today, the beginning of the week. we got a new month coming up the day after tomorrow. It's a good time to do it. The Jewish Hour is part of a 5013C corporation. It's tax-deductible. It's considered charity in the eyes of God. You'll draw down blessings on yourself and your family and entire world, and you'll ensure that quality radio continues. Now in its 17th year, we want to continue at least 17 more. The Hasidic story involves the Baal Shem Tov. Actually, not so much the Baal Shem Tov, but there was a simple person. And I don't know what he did, something, um, I actually remember the whole thing now. He uh, he was a peddler, he traveled around with a pack, and it happened one day that he came home on a Friday and his wife had already lit candles, and he realized that he had violated the, the Sabbath, and it really wasn't a violation, he still had, the sun hadn't gone down, cause, which is what he was thinking, the sun hasn't gone down, but we bring the Shabbos in early for 18 minutes, so he came in that time, so he was okay, but he was so strawed he really thought he violated the Shabbos. And he said, "What are we going to do? How am I going to how am I going to tone for this?" And he was miserable the whole Shabbos. But he confided in his wife; he trusted her. And they said, "You know what? We're going to donate a pound of candles to God every week, since it is it was this, the candles that you always try to get home before the candles. We're going to donate the candles to God. This is a great idea." So the next Friday, what did he do? After everybody was done on the morning prayers on Friday morning, he went over to the ark where they keep the Torah, and he put the can a pound of candles, which would be interesting to me that they sold candles by the pound at that point. Now we sell them by the count, but and he put it into the ark. He closed the door, and everything was fine. And he came back right before the Sabbath began, and the candles were gone. Yes, God accepted my my gift. What had happened is one of the the, uh, the guys in charge of the uh, synagogue went to go check the Torah that was going to be read. And he opened up the ark, and he saw the candles sitting there. says, what are these doing here? And Of course, okay, some of the candles, whatever. But this went on for several weeks. And then finally, after uh, three, four weeks, this uh, Gabai it was called, wanted to see who's giving the candles. So he stuck around Friday after davening. kind of hit himself and saw this guy. And he said, what are you doing? He said, well, he told him the whole story and that, uh, how he's doing his atonement for God. The guy just laughed at him. He took him to the rabbi, and the rabbi laughed at him. That Shabbos, the rabbi had a dream. I'm cutting the story really short. He dreamt that the Baal Shem Tov came to him, the Baal Shem Tov was alive, and said, What does it bother you that the Almighty is happy with this man's pound of candles? Like the song said before, God loves you. Anything you do, it's a good thing. That's going to do it for us. I'm going to thank you for tuning in. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope we, you have a great week, and we hope to see you again next week. Take care.
3: Aleve,